How's it going, everybody? Thursday morning, NHL Fantasy on Ice. Pete Jensen here with you, joined by guest James Harding, NHL.com Fantasy Correspondent. What's up, buddy? What is going on, boys? Uh, pretty pretty exciting day of action yesterday, huh? Oh, baby. James, thanks for joining. And look, at you start talking, and right away my finger goes up, ready to interrupt you. Don't even give you a chance to say anything. Welcome aboard, buddy. Uh, it's great to be here. Great to be back with you guys. Always a pleasure. So the nightcap last night had to have been one of the best games of the entire postseason so far between the Avalanche, who were fighting for their lives to stay alive in the series, not necessarily facing elimination, but you're not probably winning that series down 3-0. So the Avs came back with a flurry late in the third period after blowing a multi-goal lead. They have that vintage typical Colorado Avalanche of the regular season onslaught where they throw three goals at your face and uh, finish you off. So like that's something we've come to know of the Avs and it was good to see it materialize because like they were on the brink essentially, right James? You know, when Dallas came back and they took the lead with, I think it was about nine or 10 minutes uh, left, you know, you, you thought, all right, this is it. They're done. They're spent. They, they don't have the horses to, to get it there. And then all of a sudden, they just absolutely found that other gear that we know that they have. And they, they just took it over and, you know, they, they ran away with it down those last 10 minutes of the stretch. It really showed something about the resiliency that we know that this team has. And they finally showed it and they finally, you know, got over the hump and, and you know, stole a game from Dallas who had already stolen a couple of games from them. If you're not aware, I'm going to make you aware not only did they win the game, they won the game by more than a goal. They won on the puck line and a nice little value play on the puck line at plus 200 for the Colorado Avalanche. So once Dallas takes the lead 4-3, if you have the puck line, you start waving goodbye to that bet. You start saying to yourself, this bet is in the toilet. Take the betting slip and throw it into the fireplace and let it go up in flames. And that just goes to show you how quick the strike was by the avalanche boom mckinnon to rantanen goal there boom goal here boom boom that six four game over wrap it up we got a series two one and that top line has been sensational through three games of this series i mean mckinnon's up to 20 points on the postseason but Landeskog is better than a point per game i think now rantanen is third tied for third in scoring with miro haskinen so one is mckinnon two is elias Pettersson. So, like, the abs are littered among the scoring leaders. It's been mostly the top line, but even Nazem Kadri, he had the tipping goal for the go-ahead. He also had an assist, both coming at even strength, and that was something that I mentioned in the previous shows, uh, that they needed more than just that power play one performance from Nazem Kadri, and they got it in this big game uh, on the ropes. Like you said, James, when they fell behind, it was like kind of felt like game two all over again where they blew the lead, things were starting to slip away, but big credit to Bednar and their top dogs because they really came back with a vengeance there. Yeah, that that play that Matt Nieto had where he, he broke up the pass in, in the neutral zone and then McKinnon took it and, and the wherewithal of Rantanen in that situation to sneak through the two defensemen because he knew that they were going to collapse on McKinnon and McKinnon just sauces that pass over and what a shot. I mean, that, there was no chance that Anton Hudobin was going to stop that, sh that shot that, that tied the game at four with about 10 minutes left. Um, but, but just the, the wherewithal of Rantanen to get himself in that position 
to give McKinnon the opportunity to get him the puck. Um, the, the speed game that the Avalanche are able to play finally caught up with Dallas a little bit. But I think, and this is going to sound wrong, but I think that, you know, Colorado played a hybrid style of their game and playing down to the game that the Stars play. And I'm not trying to say that they played down to the Stars, but the Stars play a, a, a slower, more, you know, a, a defensive system, and, and they hit you with the opportunities. And Colorado kind of played a little bit to that, and they played a little bit to the more run and gun that we're used to seeing with them. And I think if we can get more of a hybrid combination of that for the rest of the series, Colorado is still into it. But if they have to fully play down to that system where Dallas controls the tempo, which I fully expect Dallas to come out and try and, and really, you know, harp on in the next game, Colorado's in trouble because I don't think they're built right now to play that style of game. Yeah, hey, I was going to spin it forward here and say I'm still very concerned about Colorado for a number of reasons. And, and the injury to Zadorov last night, the injuries to their back end. We all know about Eric Johnson. Is he coming back? I am still concerned about the Avalanche. They've made it a series. Thank the Lord they made it a series because now I think we're going to get six or seven. And I think now as we go forward and we look at these other series, they're all set up for a nice little – Game six, game seven action, which is great. But I think Dallas is still the better team right now just based off of the fact they have the healthy bodies. I love the defensemen, the skilled defensemen. And I think Colorado, they saved their season, but they looked out of gas at the end of that game. When it was 4-3 Dallas, they just looked out of gas. They found a couple goals late, you know, from their star players. But I'm still concerned about the avalanche moving forward here yeah and you know we're looking at it from the perspective of people that picked colorado to win the series you know like we were uh, expecting a bounce back it came that said if you're looking at it from the other side someone who maybe picked dallas or is supporting dallas you could say to play devil's adv- advocate here you could say that like dallas i mean it took so much out of the tank of colorado just to win this one game they had to have you know, a near miraculous third period. They had to have, you know, withstand that that blow from the stars. Uh, I mean, Kadobin has been good enough so far. Fransos, like you mentioned, Bob, was like, he passed the test in this game barely. But um, yeah, I think that like, barely, it, barely. it worries me that Colorado had to empty the tank this much just to win one game. When you look at the scope of picking them to win the series, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, it does. And, and I would say, like Bob mentioned, the, the injury to Zadorov and, and whether or not Eric Johnston comes back. Like, these are, these are key injuries to these Bowen guys. Bowen Byram. I, I, I agree with that. I think Bowen they should give the kid a shot. Put him in. I love it. Um, at, at this point, what do you have to lose? Because, you know, you're, you're down bodies. You need something to, that's going to kind of help spark it. And, and at this point, put him in and, and see what happens. He either falls flat and the team loses or he plays amazing and the team, you know, picks it back up. But I would absolutely give the kid a shot. And another goal from uh, Guriano, Bobby. I mean, that guy is starting to put together this one-timer highlight reel that's like, hey, he has his spot on the side, you know. It's, it's not Ovechkin, but if you look at somebody, you know, up and coming around the league who could become kind of that power play marksman. I mean, he's starting to inch into the conversation, right? 
Daddy Dennis Gorianov, my guy, the big Daddy Dennis Gorianov, Daddy G. Okay, I said it how many months ago? I don't want to tap myself on the back anymore with Gorianov. I was laughed at. Rob laughed at me. James laughed at me. I never Edie laughed, laughed at, you. at me. You all <laughs> laughed at me. Now look at this guy. He's leading the playoffs. He was at one point. I don't know if he still is. He scored a goal last night. Is he leading the playoffs in all of goals? Is he the leading uh, goal he's scorer not leading in the playoffs? Them in goals. I think that's Bo Horvat right now, but oh, he's Bo second Horvat. with seven, and he definitely leads the it's NHL. A Canadian team. That goals uh, per 60. Goals okay, per 60. He, goals that per means 60. That, like, Rick Bonus, based on that, should be playing him more than 13, 14, 15, 16 minutes a game. I know he played 16 last night. I know. Like, I don't maybe know how... I'd like to see Gurianov play like 17, 18 minutes. Give him a whirl. Yeah, I don't Give him a little like... bit more for sure. Yeah, get him some more minutes. We've had a couple people on Twitter hit us up and be like, listen, look at Gorianov's minutes. We need to get him some more minutes. Back to Bowen Byram real quick. All right, we're all talking about this kid like he's going to, you know, he's an option. He is definitely an option. All right, we really don't know much about him other than he's a highly touted prospect. I talked to my pal Mike Morial and Adam Kimmelman, draft class. All right, they, they'll say the same things the scouts have said about him. He's a top-end <coughs> prospect. Is it time to bring him on board and get him into the mix? Do you have any options when Zadorov is hurt, when Eric Johnson is hurt? I mean, I'd love to see the kid get an opportunity. I think we all would here. I mean, absolutely. He's got, a, you know, 120 points in his last two junior seasons uh, in, in playing in the WHL, which is known as, uh, you know, a little bit more of a, of a physical defensive league, um, especially, you know, uh, we know a lot of the offensive defensemen that come out of that league have a tendency to, you know, succeed in the NHL level. So I would say, why not give him the shot, you know, to take, uh, take a chance while you have, you know, the injuries and, and the reasoning and the excuse to kind of put him in. I mean, and let's be clear, he's an offensive defenseman, especially if he was just going to come right into the mix. And he's not like the gigantic body that Zadorov is or physical presence that he and um, Eric Johnson are on right. both ends. And, with the hitting, I mean, tons of hits in that game for Colorado last night. Uh, big discrepancy compared to Dallas. But, yeah, I think Byram would come in if he did at any point in the series, and he would try to lend a helping hand to get that avalanche transition back in order. Like, I know you were talking about playing the hybrid, but yeah, Dallas can't contain the, the, the avalanche offense if it's firing all, on all cylinders. So, you know, maybe that would give them a chance to try to – crack that code and, you know, get back to their offensive form uh, over a consistent basis uh, over multiple games, which hasn't happened here. Yeah. And, and that's really what Colorado needs is they need a track beat and, and they, they need to turn these games into absolute just sprints and they need to wear Dallas down. Dallas has some older veteran players, uh, you know, who aren't going to be able to stick with some of the younger guns that, uh, Colorado has and you know that's what Colorado needs to do they need to turn this game into a track meet and kind of run Dallas into the ground and they need to start peppering Kadovan with shots I mean that's how they they have won consistently so far this postseason just putting up high volume shot totals and they haven't done that just yet so and Bobby what? I will say Bobby I will say one thing I never laughed at you for Gurionov <laughs> but I will make you a deal right now if the uh -huh. Stars win the Stanley Cup and if uh -huh. Gorionov wins the Conn Smythe, 
I will buy you a Dennis Gurionov jersey. Oh, well, listen, I mean, not, a lot has to happen. I feel like everyone should be buying a jersey from me, a DG <laughs> Daddy Gurionov jersey based on his performance already. But fine, yeah, I'll take it. If he wins the Consmith, forget about it. You guys, no one will ever hear the end of it if he wins the Consmith. okay? It will be mentioned on every single program even after I leave the National Hockey League. Okay, and whoever I'm living with, my wife to be, she'll be hearing about it every single day as well. <laughs> I won't stop talking about it if he wins the consequence. Well, hey, I mean, if we if anybody was going to say Dallas was a value bet to win the whole thing, you probably would have pinned the con Smythe on Ben Bishop, right? Like just by default, like he probably would have gotten them there. But hey, they, I mean, he led them in goals in the regular season, and uh, if they are really going to make a run at this thing. It, that award is going to be up for grabs. Ben Bishop hasn't played in weeks now. Yeah, I, I'm not counting on Benjamin Bishop to come back and be healthy right now. Listen, we're in the second round. Q Dobin has been the starter every single game. Who knows what's going to happen with Benjamin Bishop? But yes, if, hey, Dallas makes a run here and Gorianov still you know, puts, on, puts up the numbers he's putting up. He's got a shot here. He's got a shot here at a Consmith. And if you're holding a ticket for the Dallas Stars to win the West, it's going to be difficult because you're going to have to play Vegas likely. But, hey, if you're in that series, you got an opportunity. And, I mean, Vegas can't look ahead either right now after what happened the other night So uh, with Vancouver. So, yeah, it's, it's nice to see each of these series, like, in good shape right now, either tied 1-1 or even the Avalanche are back in the series. Let's go to Bishop's old team, another puck line winner from last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning. What a performance by them on the second of a back-to-back, totally opening up the scoring. Zippity-day, zippity-doo-dah, goal here, goal there, series over. It, it sure feels like it, honestly. I, I mean, I was a little worried after game one. I don't want to jump the gun here, but I was worried about the bolts after game one you know, the late start and everything, but they have, they were in fine form last night. That's the one like, and I was even thinking, remember two years ago, the year that the caps won it all, like they played each other in the playoffs and the bolts beat the Bruins in five games. For some reason, I forgot about that, but like, don't underestimate the power of the Tampa Bay lightning to finish this thing off soon. And that's what we saw a glimpse of last night. Yeah. I think the, the image that we have in our heads right now of the Tampa Bay Lightning is that series last year uh, against Columbus where, you know, they were the best team in the world and Columbus comes in and, you know, they have Tampa has that awesome first period and then Columbus shuts them down the rest of the series. Uh, I, I think that had that game in game one going another uh, three to five minutes, Tampa Bay probably would have come back and, and you know, forced overtime and, and maybe would have won that one because you could see Boston starting to crack a little bit. But now in games two and especially in game three, we saw, you know, the, the offense that we know Tampa Bay can be. We saw the team that we know Tampa Bay can be. Andre Vasilevsky is still the best goaltender in the world, so he can still steal you any game whatsoever. But now you're starting to see the depth guys for Tampa Bay start to, you know, produce some offense. We saw it last night, you know, Yanni Gord, Andre Palat, even on the back end, Mikhail Sergachev. Uh, you know, these are the guys that they need to step up because we know that Kucherov and, and Point and uh, hopefully Tyler Johnson, you know, we saw him take that, that nasty spill in that fight with Tori Krug. So I hope everything is okay with that. But we know the big guys are going to step up. It's going to be the depth guys for Tampa Bay that are going to get them there. And they started to show that in games two and three. 
Last night, if you watch the game, 7-1, you know, Halak was exposed. I had a feeling that Halak was going to get exposed. He was exposed. Tampa looked better off the back-to-back. Remember this, folks. Game six and seven in this series is back-to-back. Who looked better on the back-to-back? Tampa looked light years better than Boston on the back-to-back. I don't know if that's because of Boston's age. I don't know if it's because of the goaltending situation. But listen, game six and seven back-to-back, I'll give the edge to Tampa in this series just based off of that. They looked so much better on the back-to-back than Boston did. Well, yeah. I mean, look at what Halak was all season and all of last year. He was a 1B goalie that would trade starts with Tuka Rask. And Vasilevsky has been a workhorse for years now, ever since Bishop left. So who was more prepared going into the game? By far and away, based on recent history, it was Vasilevsky. And also to see the Tampa Bay power play come through like that, finally, they hadn't previously scored a power play goal, believe it or not, since the round robin. They didn't score a power play goal in the whole series against Columbus. Then they go three for six. That is like what you're used to seeing when they have Stamkos. So watch out, uh, full steam ahead if they start scoring power play goals. Yeah, and, and that's really how teams have been able to slow Tampa Bay down so far in, in the playoffs is keeping them five on five because we know that, you know, even if they just get that, that one power play goal, that team can really start to find it and they, and they can really, you know, start to beat you. And you saw that last night. Um, but their five on five play has gotten better since the end of the first period in game one of this series. And it's continuing to get better, but especially if that power play can get hot when Boston really has nobody to turn to in net. If Halak starts to, you know, get a little weary like he did last night, uh, Tampa Bay is going to run away with this series. I just want to know what Tuka Rask was doing last night. Was Tuka sitting in front of the TV with, um, you know, a bucket of ice cream and popcorn That has to be a lonely feeling. I'm not ragging on him for leaving the team. I don't know what was going on in his personal life. But I can tell you, whatever the circumstances were, for him to leave the bubble and then to see off a back-to-back Halak get his doors blown off, a 7-1 thrashing, Boston loses. I can tell you right now, whatever's going on, Tuca is not feeling well about it. That that has to be a lonely feeling. I mean, it was... You know, again, like we respect the decision. That was the one point since he left them where you could look at it and say, if they had to Rask, they might have been fine. That we'll just throw that out there. That's all that really needs to be said about it. Tuka Rask is an elite goalie. Halak is an elite backup. When you have a back-to-back situation like this, that's where that goalie depth pays off. I mean, the guy that they threw into the net. The way that he got shook up by Braden Point on that breakaway. Yeah. I mean, that was when the game was really over prior to that. What, it was 3-1, 4-1. You, you could have still seen maybe the Bruins mount a little comeback. I mean, that was just like there was no shot, you know? Oh, he got smoked. Oh, he got absolutely smoked. And I just want to make this clear for anyone because people will misconstrue what I'm saying. I am not ragging on Tuka Rask for leaving. Again, I don't know what his situation was and well within his right to leave. I can just tell you, though, I'm just thinking, you know, from his perspective, when he's sitting there watching this game, it has to be a conflicted feeling. It has to feel as if, wow, if I was on the ice, I could have made a difference here tonight. And my teammates, you know, the players I've been running with for years wouldn't be dealing with a 7-1 loss right here. And I wouldn't have a kid from the AHL 
in between the pipes getting smoked by Braden Point. Definitely. So for Braden Point, I mean, like, I, I know the, de- the depth scores for Tampa Bay, James. They really stepped up in this game. You mentioned a couple of guys, also Kalorn, multi-point game. Sergachev maybe had his best game ever as a Lightning yesterday, scoring on the power play to help them get over the, over the hump and then also had an assist. But, yeah, I think that, like, for Tampa Bay, it's crazy how much of the onus has been on Braden Point, and he's delivered at a superstar-type level. I mean, he had that great breakaway goal. Then he had the other one where he put it between his legs and flipped it over to Kucherov, who dropped it right between the goalie's legs. I mean, it was like clockwork yeah. how those guys were, you know, making moves and putting the puck in the net last night. So Braden yeah. Point deserves a ton of credit. I saw the other day, I'm sure it still stands, it was like point factored into about half of Tampa's goals in the playoffs. They have like probably close to 30 goals, and he's got 15 points. So major props to Braden Point. Yeah, you know, Braden Point has been their Nathan McKinnon. I mean, you, you know, it, it's really kind of the only, you know, comparable or comparison that you can make right now when when you look at, you know, what McKinnon is. I think McKinnon factored in on like, you know, five or, or six of the Avalanche's first seven goals in their series against Dallas. Point right now is just that guy. He is taking control. Um, you know, Kucherov is quietly having a phenomenal postseason. But, you know, I, I harp on quietly because you're not really hearing about him uh, the way that you do in, in the regular season when he's one of the three or four best players in the league. He goes a little dark uh, in, in the postseason. Um, you know, he'll, he'll chip in a, a secondary assist here or, you know, a goal there. Uh, point is really the one that's driving that team right now. And, you know, you have to, you have to pay attention to that. No question. We're going to move forward here. All right. Islanders, Flyers, great game yesterday. Now a back-to-back. They play here on a Thursday, 7 p.m. on NBCSN for a game three. Where are you guys leaning? Yeah, so I, I feel really good about the Islanders right now. Uh, you know, they, that game was a lost cause early, game number two. They still came back in the game, forced overtime, incredible goals uh, at the end by their playoff heroes. It was Beauvillier, make it 3-2. Pajot always seems to come through for that team since the trade uh, during this return to play. So, yeah, I feel like even though Philly had a great start to the game, Philly ultimately won it in overtime. I liked what I saw that resolved from the Islanders. I think the Islanders, like from someone that picked the Islanders to win the series, I feel extremely confident that they will win the series after seeing the first two games of this series. What do you think, James? Yeah, you know, it was one bad period. Uh, you know, the Islanders had one bad period and, and that kind of cost them the game. You know, Semyon Barlamov had one bad period. It's really kind of the only bad period he's had so far this postseason. Um, there's not really much he could have done about that first Kevin Hayes goal. That was an absolute snipe in the top corner. Uh, that second Kevin Hayes goal, he has to he has to stop that. Uh, you know, he played the pass. He, he showed Hayes his back and, and you know, gave Hayes – uh, a little bit of the net to work with, you know, he's got to, he's got to stay on him there on the puck. Uh, that third goal by Couturier, you can make the argument that, you know, he should have had that, but that was more of a defensive breakdown by, by Nick Letty. Uh, you and know, a nice move too by Couturier I, it, for sure. It, it was a great move. He, he powered through him, you know, Letty tried to body him up and, and Couturier just powered through him. Um, but you, like you said, the Anders, you know, great resolve to come back. Uh, they, they powered through it. 
Thomas Grice, you know, gave them a, a good shot in the arm to get them back into that game. Uh, and, and then in, in overtime, it was just, you know, a, a terrible icing call. Uh, they were tired. You know, Philly was able to get fresh guys on the ice. They won the puck uh, on, on the faceoff, kept everything in the zone, and, you know, just cycled it around. And, uh, you know, Tyler uh, – no, Philippe Myers, sorry, uh, got that, you know, tip. Uh, it hit Anders Lee's stick and, you know, ricocheted off the ice, went over Grice's glove. So there was nothing he was going to be able to do to stop that one. Um, you know, I, I, I still, I picked the Islanders to win this series. I'm still sticking with that, but this series is far from over. I think it's going six or seven games. Uh, and the thing is with Philadelphia, you know, the Islanders need to keep the, the, the big guys from Philly quiet. And they started to, you know, come around yesterday. Hayes, Couturier, Giroux, Konechny started to play a lot better. Um, if Philly wants to win, they need to get those guys going. And if the Islanders want to win, they need to keep those guys shut down. Yeah, I think we need to see more from the Flyers in terms of playing more than one period. I mean, like, the right, they almost lost that game. Shockingly, it would have been in regulation. They they challenged the goal. It didn't go their way. The Islanders got a power play late in the third. They could have won the game right then and there, which would have been a devastating thing for the Flyers. Luckily, it went to overtime. They had some time to think about it, and they got the Islanders tired, like you said. But you need more consistency throughout the game. You still need more. You saw the big performance from Hayes. You still need a big-time performance from a Giroux, from a Konechny, you know, from a Couturier. We're still waiting on that. But the Flyers are back in the series. Carter Hart um, looks, you know, he's been more consistent than Varlamov so far. And um, that gives the Flyers the advantage. Nobody was coming into this series, even though Varlamov was on a shutout streak, saying Varlamov is better than Carter Hart. That's the one thing that the Flyers have in their favor in their side um, is Carter Hart. Yeah, you know, when Hart gets hot, you know that he can steal any game. Uh, the Islanders have to stay on top of him. They have to keep the pressure up. They have to get the timely goal. And, and it really just comes down to the defense. The only time that we've really seen the Islanders' defense break down the way that they did in the first period of that game yesterday was uh, the second and third period of game four against the Capitals when they lost the only game in that series. So, I think I would expect them to, you know, tighten things up. They may make a lineup change or two to get some guys in there. Uh, but, you know, I'm expecting a, a much different team from the Islanders, a much better and more complete effort from them, uh, akin to what they showed in the second and the third period uh, coming out tonight. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how both of these teams respond. But I think this is a very pivotal game in this series for, for each team. I think whichever team wins this uh, game, puts themselves in the driver's seat to control the rest of the series. How many goals were scored uh, in game two? What was that? Was it seven? Was it a 4-3 final? 4-3 yeah. final, yeah. correct. 4-3 final. And I was laughed at because I took the over in game one, which was 4 nothing, and could have easily had six goals. Five goal total here today, right? I know everyone thinks this is a nip-tuck, close, you know, to the vest series, but the first two games have not shown that. And the total is still five. I will take the over again in this series because at some point Philly is going to score goals. We saw that in game two, the Islanders have chance after chance after chance on the rush, on the power play, even on five on five. So the chances are going to be there. If you're logically watching the game, you can't sit there and tell me that this is an under series. Every game, we're going to take the under every single game. I'm not buying it, folks. I'm going to be on the over again today. 
I, I like that strategy for the second of a back-to-back for sure. And uh, for the rest of the series, yeah. I mean, like, look at the Islanders. Like, everybody knocks them for not playing offense, but that's not really true. I mean, they have Anders Lee, who has five goals. They have J.G. Pajot, who has six goals. And they have Beauvillier, who has seven goals. And that doesn't even mention their best player, who's Matthew Barzell. So they have a lot of scoring power. They get out in transition. The goal by Beauvillier was like, you know, high event hockey yesterday. So they're playing a little bit more of that. They're not a boring team, really. So, uh, yeah, I think that it's a good strategy for this game. And one note, James, right? The Islanders are one of the best teams in the regular season on the second of a back-to-back this past season. So, like, if you're going with what I was saying, that I liked the way the Islanders were playing despite the loss in the second and third periods, take the Islanders here in game three and uh, play off that trend that the Islanders are so good on back-to-back, second end. Yeah, and I think the other question that needs to be answered, and, and it's not just an Islanders question, it's a Flyers question too, is who starts? Both of these teams have uh, very capable starting goaltenders, but they also have very capable uh, backup goaltenders as well. We saw Thomas Grice come in and play a little over two periods yesterday. So you have to assume that Varlamov probably gets the start again tonight. I, I feel like for confidence issues, you know, one period shouldn't lose him uh, the job. But Grice came in and he played fantastic. He stopped 20 out of 21 shots. So I, I could see the Islanders maybe saying to Varlamov, look, you've played a lot. We're going to go with Thomas tonight because you know, he's fresh and, and he didn't play that much last night. And then we're going to go right back to you uh, for, for, you know, game four. But um, on the other side too, do you know, does, does Philly start Elliot or do they James. roll Carter Hart? James, I have to interrupt you here. I, I have to interrupt you here. I don't even think it's a conversation. I think you're going to see Carter Hart and you're going to see Varlamov in the net. So I appreciate you playing devil's advocate. I love you. You look a little disappointed right now. You look like Charlie Brown walking away from the baseball field because I'm, I'm saying this. Listen, you could be right. I personally think it's a no-brainer. It's Carter Hart. It's Varlamov. I don't know where Pete lies on this. I'm sure the conversations are... You know, they're tossing it around, but this is the playoffs. You ride with your ponies, you know, you ride with your big dogs, and that's Carter Hart and Varlamov right now. I agree about um, Carter Hart for sure. The one I, I get what James is saying about, like, Elliot. Like, look at the first half of the season for the Flyers. It was a lot of up-and-down play, especially for Hart, and Elliot was actually really valuable for them because that team, I think, this past regular season had the most back-to-backs of any team in the league, So, or they were tied for the most something like that. So Elliot was a big reason why they were within a point or two of being atop the Metro that, division that at was the like, pause, you know, okay, okay, it's going to be like, hard to answer your question. That was going like, to be hard in this next game. That was like five years ago. It seems like, it right. So we know the rookie has made a, the rookie here, the young goalie has made, you know, a lot of progress. We're not talking about October. It's a year ago or so almost stop Fair enough. Carter enough, Hart's the guy. Enough. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get so, off this topic. Move, go ahead, Pete. So let's talk about Vancouver because they're back in the series. We were talking about maybe Vancouver. sprinkling some value, but we had some differing opinions the other day, and they ended up getting the job done. Patterson has been producing as well as anybody in the postseason right up there with McKinnon, and a big wrinkle for them this past game. They got Tyler Toffoli back, yeah. and he looked dynamic. He had three points, so, and that got them off to the hot start in uh, game two. Yeah, another situation where I was laughed at because I said Vancouver was great value and that it was a hockey game and that a, a puck bounce here and there could lead to Vancouver winning the game. 
it wasn't a puck bounce. They completely dominated Vegas on the scoreboard. Mm-hmm. They didn't dominate them completely on the ice because Vegas really was pushing in that second period. And that third goal by Pedersen that made it 3-1 was sort of the backbreaker for Vegas. But yeah, I was left at plus 184 Vancouver Canucks. James, you weren't a part of that laughing fest. Thank God, because if you were, I'd be, I'd be raking you over the coals right now. But yeah, people laughed at me on that one as well. I mean, you know, Vancouver, they've been able to respond every step of the way so far this postseason. You know, we saw it um, early in the playing round. Uh, we saw it when St. Louis won those two games back to back. And then, you know, Vancouver stepped up. I mean, this is a young team that's not scared to step up in the moment and, you know, throw it right back at you. They're, they're well coached. They're exciting. Um, and, and now with Toffoli back, they have that top six at, at full strength. And, you know, they could be a really dangerous team. They're going to be a hard out for, for this team. I think the interesting thing uh, about this series so far is neither game has really been close. You know, you had the blowout 5 nothing win by Vegas in the first game. And then, you know, Vancouver comes right back and drops a five spot on them. And, and they beat them 5-2. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what this series could be like and what any of these games can be like if they keep it, you know, like a one-goal game uh, for, for most of the, uh, of the three periods. And let's think back to when the Canucks acquired Toffoli. He had points uh, in 10 points in 10 games after the trade, playing with Pedersen on the top line and also on the first power play. When you see him have a three-point game, and then on the other line you see Bo Horvat getting a behind-the-back perfect pass from Brock Besser, I mean, that has to make you worry because that's why they went ahead and made that trade for a rental into Foley was to boost an already strong top six. The already strong top six beat the defending champs. Now that, now that top six is complete here. So uh, it at least has to worry Vegas, who is the worst five-on-five save percentage of any remaining team. So like that's where the top six could bite you here. Yeah, we're all focused on the goaltending situation in Vegas. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, I would advise you to go listen to NHL at the rink. We had play-by-play man for the Vegas Golden Knights, Dave Gosheron, NHL at the rink. He broke down Vegas top to bottom, goalie situation, you know, coaching, everything. So go listen to him. Tonight's game is a no-brainer for me. I'd be shocked if Vancouver wins. I really would be. At the same time, the price is incredibly too high i mean minus 195 for a playoff hockey game i I don't even know i wouldn't have the courage to 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 take vancouver but i can't lay the price with vegas but i think vegas will win the game i i really truly believe it hey james are you worried at all about like so vancouver i was saying has their top guys rolling right now horvat's leading the league in goals and petterson second in points and you know all these guys around them as for Vegas, it seems like Pacioretty and Stone, like they're playing well overall, but they're going to need to match that type of scoring. Like for DFS tonight, are you flocking more to the Vancouver side or are you like going with that tried and true Pacioretty Stone stack or something like that? Are you worried about spending up for those two Vegas guys together? Yeah, right now I'm very worried about spending up when I can get such great value on some of those guys. You know, you can get great value on a Bull Horvat or or a Pearson or, or a Toffoli, um, you know, even, you know, stacking them with, with a high price guy like Pedersen, uh, I, I would be concerned. And, and I actually, I, I think that with 
the way Vancouver is playing in their top six right now. And there are a lot of questions. Like we, we thought going into this that Vegas was just going to steamroll through everybody. And we've seen them go really hot and really cold. Um, I'm actually going to take Vancouver to, to win it tonight. I, I think, you know, they, they're, they're playing great. They're playing with a lot of confidence. Um, Markstrom, you know, played awesome the other night. And with, you know, Pearson and Toffoli now in that top six and, and, you know, the way that they've been playing on the back end, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I, I think there's a lot of question marks right now because you need those guys on Vegas to get hot and stay consistent, and they just really haven't. James, okay, you have that opinion. But see, what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to laugh at you, okay? I respect differing opinions. That's what I do. So I respect that opinion that Vancouver tonight at that price is a value play. I'm not going to laugh at you like some people would laugh at when you hear a pick like that. Not that I've been laughed at. I, I don't Bobby, think I laughed at you the other day, Bobby. I, th- I think Rob was very set in his ways about Vegas winning and making it a shorter series. I, I think I was like, I was open to your idea. If I'm you go just back messing and check around. the tapes. So. Yeah, I know. I know. We always got to pull the tapes because I'll, I'll make up a narrative. I never have a problem making up a narrative. That's for sure. But one other thing about Vegas's top guys not not performing at the highest level imaginable, like Alex Tuck leads them in goals. He plays on the third line. He has six goals. That flat out leads the team. So uh, it's a good thing when you're getting that type of production from your third line, but uh, to match an elite offense and elite power play, uh, that's you're going to need more than that from the top two lines. All right, so DFS plays tonight. Can you rattle a few off and then we'll put a bow on it? Uh, Jay, I mean, why don't we start with Petey? Petey, go ahead. Yeah, I'll mention a couple of guys. Definitely go back to the well with Toffoli. I was not expecting him to come back the last game. I like the fact that he's with Pedersen at all times, so go with him. Anthony Beauvillier, the guy's clutch. The guy's uh, up-tempo. The guy is exactly what the Islanders needed to come out of their shell offensively. And I keep thinking back to when they first called up Beauvillier a couple of years ago. He was a fixture with Barzell. For whatever reason, he doesn't play Bar- with Barzell that much anymore, but it doesn't matter. And maybe it's for the best that he doesn't play with him anymore because he gives them that added dimension on a separate line. So he has been the biggest surprise for, the, for me, for the Islanders. Pleasant surprise uh, to take them to the next level. Petey, I like your angle on the Islanders here with the back-to-back scenario. I'm going to take the Islanders again. I think you're going to have a good shot, especially with the empty net scenarios that happen at the end of games, to go over five in this game today. Guys, I know you're Islander fans, and James, you'll give us your DFS picks right now, but don't you have to sort of like tip your cap to Garth Snow here? I mean, he he brought in a lot of these players. I mean, I know <laughs> Lou Lamarillo gets the credit for the finishing touches, but, you know, Bovillier is Garth Snow's guy. Barzell is Garth Snow's guy. I mean, you got to give credit to Garth a little bit, right, James? Nelson uh, and Bailey, we, we, right? The, the list goes on. Do, do we do we give credit to uh, to Garcino for Beauvillier, uh, Barzell, and Jordan Everly, or do we give that credit to Peter Shirelli? Um, but you know, I, I, I agree. I mean, they they've all you know panned out incredibly well. Uh, you know, he's he's wheel and deal. I mean, I think you need to give credit more to Garth and and his staff over the years for finding absolute gems in you know like the third and fourth round, Adam Pellich who is arguably, you know, the, the most underrated defensive defenseman in the NHL. 
Devon Taves, who's, you know, slowly uh, becoming one of the better puck movers, uh, you know, under the age of 26 in the NHL. So, uh, you know, on, on defense, I mean, he, he's found some hidden gems for sure that are contributing massively to this team right now. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, Trotz has rounded it out. I mean, remember the year before Trotz came in, they were like one of the highest scoring offenses and one of the, they allowed the most goals in the entire league. So it was a train wreck. It was the same type of players, but it was like they didn't have that basis of their defense uh, to, you know, form a formidable team, but um, they did have many of these pieces. So Garth was on the right track, but he didn't have the head coach. I mean, he had Jack Capuano there for like eight years, right? I mean, they probably needed a better coach than that right. in hindsight. Yes, he, he could never get the coach right. Jack Capuano, I don't even know what you have to say about him other than I always loved his hairdo. You know, I always wish I could sport the Jack Capuano hairdo, but I never could pull <laughs> it off. James, we have to get off of this subject. I, I, we have to get to your DFS plays, and then we have to put a bow on it because we are – we are way over the allotted amount of time. People are just, they're not even listening at this point. We're, we're talking into a vacuum. Uh, yeah, my, my DFS plays tonight, I, I love Bovillier from the Islanders. Like Pete said, if I'm, uh, you know, not to, not to harp on that, I would probably say uh, J.G. Pajot if I was going to, you know, throw somebody out there from the Islanders or Josh Bailey. Um, you know, I, I definitely would say if I'm looking at uh, Philly, I would pay attention to the goaltending matchup. Uh, you know, to see if, if Elliot goes, um, Myers has been playing well there as well. And, uh, you know, out, out West um, in, in the Vegas game tonight against Vancouver. Yeah. I, I like Pearson. Um, I would say Tyler, uh, you know, Mott is, is another okay. gem right. from, from Vancouver. Hidden gem for sure. And uh, yeah, you know, why don't you just I, list the whole roster? The just list the whole roster, James. Yeah. Just go right uh, down the roster to every player tonight, huh? Outside the big guys on Vegas, the only one I could really say on defense for, for a DFS play would be somebody like Schmidt or, or Martinez. All right. Very nice. I like it. So, And then, yeah, I mean, for Vegas, one thing I wanted to just mention before we wrap up the show, for some reason I have – I think they should stick with Leonard here. I don't know how you guys feel about it. If, if they go to Flurry – it's going to cause – it could cause some friction. And Vancouver – I like Vancouver's chances of winning the game for some reason. It's just my gut if they start Flurry as opposed to Leonard. I feel like Vegas needs to be patient, stick with Leonard for another game, give him a chance to redeem himself and get this series back on track. So if Leonard starts, go with Vegas. If Flurry starts, go with Vancouver. I'd go with Leonard and James – I, you mentioned in your whole harangue about DFS players, about potentially Elliot getting the start over Hart. If Elliot gets the start over Hart tonight in game three, I know we made a wager, a little deal earlier in the show with Daddy Gurianoff. If he wins the Smythe, you know, I get a jersey. Let me tell you something. If Brian Elliott starts, you name your price. I will do anything you want. All right. I will get you anything you want if Elliot starts in game three, because I just don't see it happening. And then let's put a bow on it. I don't know if if, uh, James wants a Brian Elliott jersey, though. Right. I don't think he's wearing that. Seattle Kraken jersey. That's what it's going to be. All right. Okay. I'll get you a Seattle Kraken jersey. All right. No, no question. That is the first one. I want the first one. Uh, Well, I'll have to, I'll have to put a note into Dave Satriano has the, uh, who has the, the connections to get all the Seattle gear, but yes, fine deal. 
If Brian Elliott's in net, you will get a Seattle Kraken jersey, and you can let everyone know that old Bob Bender lost the bet and uh, got you the jersey. Put a bow on it, Peter. Love it. Everything on the line here with uh, Flyers Game 3 and the goalie decision. So, James, again, thanks for hopping on, man. Always uh, appreciate it and great insight, man. Always great to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me. So we'll be back with you next time here again for James Harding, Bob Bender, Pete Jensen. Robbie will be back next time here on NHL Fantasy on Ice. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the games and enjoy the weekend.